Well, again, welcome everybody. It's great to see you and everybody online and everyone at Montrose. Thanks for joining us as well. I'm excited to, uh, to start a new series called What Does God Actually Want From Me? And it was interesting as we were uh, talking about this series and like talking about what to call it, we just kind of called it what I think a lot of us think about. <laughs> like, uh, what, what does God want? And uh, how am I supposed to follow him? And what does he expect from me? And how does he want me to interact with him? And it's interesting, as we've been kind of following Jesus's life and teachings, uh, he's, he's stopped, he's paused on this hillside. He's given this sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it's interesting that he, he takes a bunch of time and it really defines who he is and what he's like. And then he defines who we now are if you're his follower. He says, you are salt, you are light. And then he goes into the part that we're gonna go into where he starts talking about like, you've heard some stuff about me, but that's not my heart and that's not my mind at all. A lot of what you've been taught that God wants from you is actually not what I want from you at all. And he's gonna go into this kind of section of his conversation where he's gonna unplug a bunch of stuff and plug a bunch of truth in. And it's really fascinating to, to read through and to understand. Now, what kind of blows my mind with it is here's Jesus and he's sitting on this hillside. He's teaching all these people. There's all these people surrounding him. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of people are surrounding him. And he's having this conversation. And most of these people that he's talking to uh, are gonna have some kind of a religious background. It's just the, the nature of who's listening to him and it's the nature of the culture that, that he is in. And so they kind of have these preconceived ideas. And Jesus, as they, if they've been hanging out with Jesus for a little bit and they're you know, trying to learn him and understand him a little bit, he by now is claiming to be God, right? So he's making that claim. So you're either interacting with him as if God is talking to you or if you haven't become convinced of that yet, you're interacting with him as if he is another religious teacher who has another perspective. He's the guy who's written the next book and come up with the next thought and those kind of stuff. So you're kind of preloaded to, to think about what he's saying that way and to receive it that way. And his truth that he's teaching, that he's laying out there, is kind of coming through those preconceived ideas, right? Because we would tend to have those things. So these guys lived in a culture that is, is not unlike ours, right? So they, they had a, a religious base that would have been kind of based in Judaism, which is what ours is. When you think about the Ten Commandments, things like that, that's what the Judeo-Christian ethic is. And so they would, they would kind of understand the world that way. That religious base would affect their cultural understanding. So they would be kind of like used to it, or we'd be like America and God and pledge. They, they, they would kind of have their version of that. And then many of them would have been exposed to some kind of teaching. Like they would have priests and pastors and that kind of stuff, and, and they would have those kind of teachings. So as Jesus now is talking and laying out his heart and mind, all of that information is coming through those preconceived ideas. They're, they're preloaded with what they think and how they interpret Jesus's words. And some of the things he says is going to tense them up because they have that preloaded idea, right? And we would be the same way. We would be the same way. If I came up here this weekend and I said, hey guys, uh, this weekend we're gonna talk about money and how all your money belongs to God. 
if you have a background or if you are American, you would preload that conversation and you might get defensive. You might think you know the answers already. You may think you know, understand exactly what God has to say because you have something surrounding that statement. If I stood up and said, we're gonna talk this weekend about how the church is integral to God's plan and if you don't, if you're not a part of the church, you really can't follow Jesus the way that, that he wants to be followed. We would be preloaded with that. So some of you immediately would feel guilt. Ah, I haven't been here for weeks and he got me. You know, he must have seen me walk in the door and I did, by the way. Okay, so like, uh, some of you would be like, I watch online all the time and, and he's just gonna say that I need to come in and be there in person, which I, I am, by the way, saying that. Some of you are gonna say that the church is a bunch of jerks. Like some of those painful things in my life is tied to the church. See, we'd be preloaded with that. So that's this group that Jesus is talking to. And, and that they're just like us. And they live in a culture that has a religious overtone to it, like our culture does. Uh, they, they, they have maybe been religious, like some, many of us like grew up in and around church at least a little bit. We celebrate Christmas, Easter kind of a thing. And so all of that is in them. And they would be looking at Jesus and saying, if you're saying that you're speaking on God's behalf, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say that I haven't heard? What are you gonna say that I didn't know already? Are you gonna double down on those things or are you gonna add to them in, in one way or another, okay? So we're gonna look at this. We're gonna start looking at this this weekend. And this is the path as I kind of like lay this out for us a little bit. The path we're gonna take is this. We're gonna look and say, what, what did Jesus actually come to do? He says here in a minute what he actually came to do. So we're gonna look at that a little bit. We're gonna look and try to understand why understanding the whole Bible is the story of God's love is important to kind of get our head around the whole of the Bible. And then we're gonna, we're gonna look and say how, 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 we're gonna discover how the point is never rules, it's always relationships. This was a big aha for those people, for us too. And then finally, we're gonna learn to dance a little bit. And I'll explain that when we get there, okay? So this is the path we're gonna take. So what does God actually want from us? So you got a Bible, open it up, go to uh, Matthew chapter five. It's when we've been hanging out. This is on the app, it's on the website there. If you're watching online, and uh, let's see what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter five, verse 17 and following. This is, this is what he says here in Matthew chapter five. He, in this sermon, he says, listen, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, right? So Jesus is talking to people who are kind of religiously preloaded and he's laying out kind of this premise of what he's gonna talk about here for the, for the next, uh, well for us it'll be for the next few weeks, for him it would have been the next uh, few moments, so right as he was having this conversation. So I wanna go back, I wanna pull this apart a little bit so we can get our head around it, and then this will kinda help us get our head around the rest of what he's gonna say through chapter five, 
in chapter six, okay? So he starts off and he makes this statement which is very interesting. He says, I don't want you to misunderstood why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the prophets, I came to accomplish their purpose. So in order for us to get our head around this, we gotta talk about some Bible stuff real quick, all right? So you hang in here with me. I won't Bible nerd on you too much, but it'll help us frame it up a little bit. So we first have to ask ourselves the question, what is the law of Moses? So if Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses, what is that and why, why was that a big deal to him? Okay, so I, I put it in our notes this way. The law of Moses is basic definitions of how to live in a loving relationship with God and humanity. So the law of Moses is basic definitions of how to live in loving relationships with God and humanity. Uh, one of the things that we always have to remember is that every human being has to discover something for the very first time. And once you've discovered that for the first time and you've been taught it in a healthy way, it then becomes the relational basis of which you interact with each other, okay? So think about this for a second. Some of you have little babies or you remember having little babies or maybe you had a brother or sister that was a little baby. If you can remember the look on your child's face the first time you told them, don't smack your sister. So they're fighting over a toy, somebody hits somebody and you're like, hey, Susie, don't smack your sister. The first time you tell your baby that, the look on their face is one of shock and awe and total surprise. Because nobody has ever said to them, don't smack your sister. They've never had a sister before. There was a time, especially if they're the oldest, because the oldest are the, the, the prima donnas of all children. They're the biggest pain in the necks. I think we all understand how our oldest sibling is, right? So they've never had a child before. The whole world revolved around them. And now baby comes in and interrupts their world. They take the toy. They smack their sister. Hey, don't smack your sister. It's a shock to them. What? Why, why wouldn't I smack my sister? They took my toy. It felt good to smack my sister. I like smacking my sister, right? I want something and they took it from me so I defended my territory. You see all those little emotions and it's just like a big eyes, a half cry and some drool that happens the first time that you say don't smack your sister. Well, we forget that somewhere along the line somebody laid out a law and the law is don't smack your sister. Now, if you're 15 and you smack your sister, you just got issues, right? But when you've got a little two-year-old, they, they don't know. That's why they're not in this massive trouble. You just kind of yell at them a little bit. Don't smack your sister. And that's why they're shocked. They never heard this before. How can this be, right? Everything that you've been taught as an understanding about God and as a moral compass in your relationship with other people was brought to your humanity. And the law of Moses is those basic definitions. And we, we would kind of take them for granted, especially in our culture, because we're a Christianized Judeo-ethic culture. But they're, they're the basic definitions of how to live in relationships with each other and with God. Now the part of the law of Moses that almost everybody is familiar with, whether you go to church or not, is what we call the Ten Commandments. 
And the Ten Commandments is the basis of the law of Moses. So the Ten Commandments shows up in Exodus for the first time. God looks at the people and says, I'm Lord your God. This is how I want you to interact with each other and interact with me. And then he gives these Ten Commandments. Don't have any other gods but me. Uh, you must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image or anything in the heavens or the earth or of the sea. Don't worship those things. Uh, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Don't make promises in God's name you don't intend to keep. Remember and observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Uh, honor your father and mother. Uh, do not murder, right? Like somebody had to teach that along the way. Do not commit adultery, but it feels good to commit adultery. Don't commit adultery, right? Because it's an unloving way to live with somebody. You must not steal. Uh, you must not f- uh, testify falsely against your neighbor. Don't lie about each other. You must not covet your neighbor's house. Don't be jealous of each other. So Jesus comes to these folks who are religious pre- preloaded, and he's like, I, I want you to understand that I want to deal with the law of Moses, And I want you to understand that what I actually came to do, what I actually came to do was I have come, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I came to accomplish their purpose. There's some people in that crowd who are looking at Jesus, they're like, you're the new hot teacher, I love your podcast more than my old pastor's podcast, and I love your new book, and I think that's amazing. I hope that what you do is abolish the law of Moses because it's been abused. And these Pharisees and these teachers of the law added on to it and they control my life with it. And I think that all you need to do is kind of know God and feel God and be spiritual and that's what God wants. Is that what God actually wants? There's some people in that crowd that that's what they wanted. There was other people in that crowd and what they wanted was they wanted Jesus to double down on the law of Moses. I don't, don't murder anybody. And not only that, be a conscientious rejecter. Not only that, be a pacifist. Not only that, like they wanted him to double down and make it more strict. That's what they were hoping because that was what was gonna straighten the country out. And Jesus came and he said, I didn't come to abolish it. I didn't come to double down on it to write more laws. I came to accomplish the purpose of it. And the purpose of the law of Moses, right, was to define as a basic definitions of our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. And that's what Jesus came to do. And that was the foundation of what he was going to teach them, right? Now, I put down in your notes, I think there's three basic things that the law is supposed to do for us. And this is the purpose that Jesus was talking about accomplishing, okay? Here's the first thing. The first thing the law does, we just talked about it for a second. The law defines what true love is. The law defines what true love is. It is not loving to murder. It is loving to not murder. It is not loving to steal. It is loving to not steal, right? It defines what true love is And it helps us to understand about that, right? Now, we, because we're raising a culture a little bit, would say, Jeff, everybody knows that. And I'm like, no, they didn't. And no, we don't. Because the law of Moses defines how we interact with each other, right? So later on, when Jesus is like, yeah, love your enemy, that makes sense based on the law of Moses, 
when we would look and say terrorists shouldn't kill innocent people and neither should we as a nation, we would say, yeah, that's based on the law of Moses. So what it does, the first thing it does is it defines what true love is. I love, I love them and so I lied to them because I thought the truth would hurt them. And the law would say, actually, that's not, that's not loving at all. I, I loved her, so I had an affair with her, and I committed adultery. And the law would say, that's, that's not loving to her or your spouse. That's not what true love is at all. So the law comes in, and it basically says, lo- love is not feeling. Love is not emotion. Love is not cultural definition. Love is defined in the law. And it's doing these things and not doing these things. That's how we lovingly interact with each other. It also is how we lovingly interact with God. So I love God. I think God is whoever you want it to be. So I made a carving of a fish and I pray to it. And it'll always say, that's not loving God. Don't make an image and pray to it. That's not what it means to love God. Uh, I love God and I have a really good feeling. And so I, I just, uh, I, I look at myself as God. I look in the mirror every day and I believe in myself and I pray to myself and I believe in my own truth. And the law would say, actually, that's just a graven image. Like that's, that's you looking at yourself instead of looking at who God actually is. It's not what it means to know and love God at all. So the law would define the basic relationship between God and man, and it would define what love truly is. The second thing that the law does is this. It exposes the reality of relationships. It exposes the reality of relationships. It exposes our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. So when there's parts of the law that are ruled in or parts of the law that are ruled out, it tells us if we're in a loving relationship or not, right? Um, we're married, but we have an open marriage, and we just decided to love and serve each other that way. That's not loving. Um, I love my sister, but I hate her because she lives in the house I always wanted. Oh, you mean you covet it? I don't know what that means, but I hate her because she lives in the house I always wanted. Right? Well, that's, that's not loving. If you love someone, you're happy when they receive something that you don't have. So when the law of love is absent from a relationship, it tells me what my relationship is really like. When the law of love is present in a relationship, if you were my friend, you wouldn't have told me that thing I didn't want to hear about myself. Actually, because I'm your friend, I didn't lie to you. And I told you the truth. If you loved me, when I asked you if you liked this dress, you would have said I liked it. And you said it was ugly and kind of made you throw up in your mouth a little bit. And you could have been more gentle. But you would look and say, actually, a honesty in a relationship is the most loving thing to bring into a relationship. If that relationship is lacking honestly, honesty, then it's not a loving relationship. If that relationship is lacking faithfulness, then it's not a loving relationship. So the law exposes relationships for what they really are. Relationships with each other and our relationship with God. And then the last thing that the law does is it creates guide rails for for our relationships. Sometimes things feel good, but they're not loving. Sometimes things feel like an emotional release, but it's actually 
not loving. So it creates guidelines or guide rails for us to, to run on. This is what love is. Your relationship should be defined in this way. You need to function in this way under the law, right? So when Jesus says, I've come, and I didn't come to wipe out the law of Moses, I came to accomplish its purpose. What he's saying is, I came for you to, to understand what true love is. And I came for you to understand what, what your relationships really are so they can be more defined by love. And I came to even kind of give you the how-tos, so to say, so that you could understand that and you can live in good relationships with each other. This is one of these part, uh, parts of the scripture that Jesus teaches us that the apostle Paul actually helps us to understand a little bit. And he says this in Romans 13. He says, oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you shouldn't steal, you should not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that's what Jesus is teaching. He's like, guys, I'm not looking for you to go and like grab the Ten Commandments and figure out how to you know, write them on your face so that you can follow them. What I'm looking for you to do is understand the purpose of them. They're not a set of rules that you keep that somehow get you into heaven. I never murdered anybody. I never committed adultery. That's not, that wasn't the purpose. The purpose of the Ten Commandments was to define for you because nobody ever told you not to hit your sister. To define for you what true love is. To define for you what a true relationship with God is actually all about. And to define for you how to live that out in real time. They're not a checklist that you wanna go through. They're an arrow. They're a pathway that you wanna go down that leads you into deeper and more powerful relationships with each other and with God, right? Now, that's a lot, and it's a very, very big deal. It's a very, very big deal. Because these people who are sitting on this hillside listening to Jesus are a lot like us, and when they grew up thinking about God, and when they grew up having their culture present images of God, and when they grew up going to the church and hearing their pastor teach about God, they heard a lot of what you might have heard. They heard that if you want to please God, what you do is you follow this list of rules. So you don't do this, and you do do this. And if you go to this meeting and you say this prayer and your hair is this short and you don't get a tattoo and you don't drink alcohol and you don't listen to secular music, which if you're not sure what it is, it's good music. If you, if, if you don't do these, then if you, if you keep these rules, then you will go to heaven. If you keep these rules, then you will prove to God that you are worthy of his forgiveness and you will go to heaven. And they would look and say, yeah, there's these rules that I've woven into my life and I don't smoke and I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't cheer for Michigan and I don't do these things that God hates and despises. 
that means I'm in good with God, right? And Jesus is looking at this crowd and at us and saying, wrong. Wrong. What? I've gone to church my whole life. I'm good, right? Not necessarily. I've, I've, I've never said a curse word my whole life. I use all the Christian alternatives. So I go to heaven, right? Not necessarily. I, I've never killed anybody. I never robbed a bank. I never cheated on anybody. So I'm good, right? Not necessarily. God, I thought that's what you actually wanted from me. And Jesus, just like us, these people are like, what? What? I followed all of the rules, and Jesus is looking at them like he's looking at us and saying, it was never about rules. You read it wrong. It was about relationship. And I didn't come to wipe the rules out. Sweet, so we don't have to go to church anymore. I can have my 10% back. No, I didn't, I didn't come to wipe out the law. You can't have to double down. You need to go to church five times a week now. No, I came to show you the reason for it. To fulfill it. And the reason for it is so that you know how, where, what path to take to a relationship with God. And the reason for it is so that you know what path to take in a relationship with each other. And that's what I came to make sense to you. Right? He doesn't abolish the law. He doesn't say, it's okay to hit your sister. He shows us that behind the law, the motivation behind the law, is a relationship and a desire to love the people near you. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfilled the law. A couple weeks ago, um, I was teaching up here. I don't really remember doing this, but I must have said stupid or called somebody stupid. Like, I, so that person was stupid. So I used, I said the word stupid. And I was standing out uh, after service saying hi to people. And this little five-year-old, I'm guessing that's how old he was, came up to me and like confronted me. And he's like, Pastor Jeff. And I'm like, what do you want? And, and, and the security was nowhere to be found. And so I'm like, hey, what do you want? And he goes, he goes I want to talk to you. And I was like, about what? And he goes, you said the S word. And I was like, I don't remember saying the S word. I think, I, I think the elders would have been involved if I said the S word. And he's like, you said the S word. And his mom, who's just mortified by this whole interaction, is like, he means stupid, right? So I thought, first of all, you're a gutsy little kid. Secondly, it's good that your parents haven't taught you the real S word, and you think it's stupid. But she's like, he means stupid. He, we're not allowed to say stupid. We call it the S word at our house. And I was like, so I was like, come here, buddy. So he came up to me. I was like, listen, here's the real S word. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> 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 I, I wish I would have done that. But, right? So it's, it was a cute little thing and great kid, right? It was actually kind of fun. We had a good laugh about it. Here's the thing, right? So what this little guy, his parents doing a great job parenting, have taught him a law. Don't call people stupid, right? Now, the intention of that law is not to not 
call people stupid. That's not the purpose of the law. That's how, I'm gonna say that he was five. That's how a five-year-old would receive something they've never heard before. He didn't know, he, he heard on TV. Somebody called somebody stupid, so he called his sister stupid, and his mom's like, we don't say stupid. He didn't know, he's like, what? I didn't know what the word means, right? What are you talking about? So he's shocked, but he received the law. Don't call people stupid. Pastor Jeff, you violated the law, right? You called somebody stupid. I said stupid. I used the word stupid. I said stupid. I said stupid multiple times in a stupid service. Okay, so, right? So I violated the law, okay? As a five-year-old, he has a basic understanding His mom, being a good mom, is like, honey, when you call people stupid, it's not loving. When you call people stupid, it exposes the way that you think. It makes them feel terrible, and it fractures your relationship. It exposes the relationship. So let's not call people stupid. Guide rails that you can run on. The point is never is not to never use the S word. To never not say stupid again. Because now I'm an adult. And when I say the word stupid, 99% of the time, I'm gonna say it as a joke or a compliment. You're stupid, man. Dude, how stupid. Right? It's not the word. It's the purpose behind the word. And because I received the law and embraced the law, but Jesus worked in my heart to fulfill or to understand the meaning of the law, now I don't say the word stupid and anger because I understand how it will be received, how it would expose a relationship, and how it would hurt somebody around me. I might use it as a joke, you're stupid. I might use it as a compliment, that's stupid. But I would never look at you and say, you know what you are, you're stupid. Because the meaning or the purpose of the law has taken root in my heart. Tracking me? This is what Jesus is explaining. He's like, I didn't didn't come to say nobody can ever say stupid again. Don't murder. Okay, like, don't, but that is not all that that meant. Don't, don't commit an altar. I know we're slept with her. Okay, but that, that's not all that that meant, right? I came so that you could understand the relationship. And what the law was given for is so that there was a relational context to get your head around your relationships with each other and your relationships with God, right? I came to fulfill the law, right? So Jesus says, this is what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that love results in fulfilling the law. You've heard it said, don't covet, don't steal, don't commit adultery, just basically just love your neighbor as yourself. Love results in the fulfillment of the law, and the law teaches us what love actually is. That's all it does, it orients us right? So that we can understand how God defines love and how God uh, wants us to understand it. So that's what Jesus actually came to do.
Now, what he does is he goes on and he says to these guys who have a religious background, he's like, guys, what I want you to understand is that this is the story of the whole Bible. When you're reading the Bible, I want you to read the Bible through the context of what the law was given for, that you love each other and you love God. So he goes on and he, and he talks about this. He says in verse 18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. If you ignore the least commandment, teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He's like, guys, I, you understand, I'm not going to wipe out Paul to the law. I'm not going to change things. I'm not going to go back and say, you know what, that Old Testament thing doesn't work anymore. That's not what I'm doing at all. What I want you to do is understand that the Old Testament and the prophets, the Ten Commandments and the things that you see in the first part of the Bible are an expression of God's love and an expression of his definition of how to interact with each other and how to interact with him. And now that's going to go away, so don't ignore any of that. Don't look and say, I'm not, I'm, I love my enemy as myself, but not that enemy. You just ignored part of the law. I, I, I'm, I, won't, I won't sleep with another woman, but I'll look at all the porn I want. You just, you, just look, you just ignored another part of the law. You're downgrading the intention of the law. The law wasn't about uh, defining and controlling every aspect of your behavior. The law was about you understanding God's heart so that he could transform your heart so that you could express your, God's heart to the people around you. It's about love. And so all of it points to that. The whole Old Testament, the whole New Testament, the first part of the Bible, second part of the Bible, it's all about that. And I came so that that could happen and I came so that you could fully understand it. The whole Bible is all about the story of God's love. And when you look at the Bible, because these guys are thinking about the Old Testament and all those kinds of stuff, they're trying to get their head around it because they're preloaded like we're preloaded. When you look back on those, all those things, what I want you to see is that relationships are always the point. That it's not the rules, it's the relationships. And this is what he says. This is verse 20. He's like, just look at the people around you. I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the, of the religious law and the Pharisees. So he's looking at these people. He's like, see those guys? They've been keeping the rules. They, they have not said shut up or said stupid their whole life. And they pride themselves on the fact that they never say stupid. But they treat you like you're stupid. They think you're stupid. They're self-righteous about you and your stupidity. They're patronizing about being stupid but they don't say the word stupid. And he's like, that's not, that's not the righteousness I'm talking about at all. That's, that's the dead law. That, that's, just, that's not why that rule was given. So I'm not looking for that kind of righteousness. I want you to know that it, unless your righteousness is better than theirs, well, how can it be better? I, I'm, I'm 50 years old. The word stupid has never crossed my lips. How is it better? By fulfilling the purpose of the law. Which is what? To love people. To love them. Not to, not to never say, you're stupid, man. Dude, that was stupid. But to love people. And when you want to strike out at someone in anger, you take your thoughts captive, you control your tongue so that what is expressed to them is love. They're not expressing love, 
they're just not saying stupid. So you have to have, I want you to have a better righteousness and that's what I want. That's how you enter the kingdom of heaven is by having that better righteousness, that true faith, that actual desire to love God and love people so that God can work through you and you can, you can be a vehicle in which he expresses his love to the people around him, right? Now what happens, the reason, I know this is a lot, so you gotta, we've had to like do some uh, paying attention here this weekend. But what Jesus is doing is so important because what we're gonna do in this series is we're gonna go on and he's gonna start unplugging this stuff. So he's gonna go through here and he's gonna say things like, uh, you've heard that your ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment, right? That's the law, don't say stupid. But I say, if you're even angry at someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. It's like murder. What? Yeah, I never murdered anybody. Oh, you've done it a million times in your heart. You didn't understand the purpose of the law. And then he goes on, he talks about adultery. I never slept with anybody. You ever look lustfully at another woman? What's that mean? Porn. Yeah? Well, then you've committed adultery. What? Because the point is to love. And he just goes to, you ever, made, you ever made a vow? That's taking the Lord's name in vain. I swear to God, I will not. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. We're both Christians, man. You can trust it. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. You ever done that? You broke that vow? You just broke one of the commands. What? I didn't say the Hebrew word for, yeah, because it wasn't the word. It was the heart of love behind it. You ever take revenge? You ever love your enemies? You ever give to the needy? You ever pray and fast? You ever think about your money and possessions? You've heard this, but I'm telling you it's actually this. That the purpose of this rule was, was not the rule. It wasn't the don't say stupid. It was to love and to love God and to love people around you. So we're gonna investigate that. We're gonna walk through that. And if you're a church person, it's probably gonna blow your mind up. You may wanna bring duct tape with you, right? If you're not a church person, it's probably gonna change your preconceived ideas about what God actually wants. Because you're gonna find that he wants a lot less rules and he wants a lot more relationship. And the purpose of the rule is to awaken us to what the relationship actually could be or should be, right? Now, I told you all this because I told you I want you to learn how to dance. I want you to learn how to dance. I grew up in church. There's good and bad to it. But one of the things that was bad about it is we weren't allowed to dance. We were not allowed to dance. So I've never learned to dance. I'm 51 years old, I can't dance. My, I will go to a wedding or to some kind of a party and my kids will start dancing because they can dance. They're like, dad, dance. I'm like, I have absolutely no idea what to do with my body, right? And so they're like, just sway back and forth. So I'm like, ah, like move your arms, like, ah, you know, so I look like I'm selling used cars. And so like, I have no idea how to dance, right? And the reason I don't know how to dance is because somebody gave me a law 
They gave me a law. Don't dance. Why? Because it's sexual. Oh, I don't want to be sexual. Don't dance. Why? Because the, the world dances. Ooh, I don't want to be worldly. Don't want to be worldly. Don't dance. Why? Because Jesus didn't dance. I, I'm pretty sure he did at that wedding thing. But anyway, but people in the Bible don't dance. I, I thought something about David naked in the streets. Anyways, I, I, I don't want to argue. <laughs> can't dance, can't dance, can't dance. And what's, what's funny is this. I was told don't dance. There was never a meaning behind it. Because dancing can be sexual, obviously. It can be perverted. It can be, obviously. And you can dance with your wife, and you can dance with your kids, and you can dance with your friends because somebody put Footloose on, and then there's that whole movie. <laughs> and I never learned how to dance. Here's the thing. There's zero reason before God that I should know how to dance. I was robbed of dancing, which I think robs the world of me dancing. (laughs) Ready? There's all kinds of things that you've been robbed of. All kinds of things. You can't do that. Why not? Well, because God hates it. Well, who said? My priest. You got to do this. Oh, where's it at? Well, there's this obscure verse in the Bible that I made mean what I want it to mean. And these things become our operate. It's, it's a version of don't say stupid. So Jeff, you're saying we should throw it all out? No, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, because a lot of those things, it's about not abusing them. It's, not a, it's, about, it's about relationships. Are you saying we should double down it? No, I'm saying that somewhere in the middle, there's a freedom There's a burden that is easy, a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light. There's relationship with Jesus, and it gets missed because we're keeping a rule, a rule that was not intended to confine our life, a rule that was intended to point us toward the heart of Christ. And Jesus Right here, Matthew 5 is like, yeah, I actually came for that. I actually came for that. Because that rule you've been keeping has been making you judgy. That rule you've been keeping has kept you out of relational environments with other people. That rule you've been keeping has made you really, really self-righteous. That rule you've been keeping makes following God and giving your money and serving the Lord feel like obligations instead of joys. I want you to learn how to dance, right? And this is what Jesus is doing. He's not abolishing anything. He's showing us the reason behind it. And as I grow in my relationship with Christ, I'm really glad that my mom told me not to call my sister stupid. I'm really glad that my Jesus taught me the context of what that meant, the heart behind it, right? I came 
to fulfill that or to show you the meaning behind it. And what Jesus is gonna do is he's gonna lean into a bunch of stuff we've been told. He's like, this is what I'm actually looking for. This is what I'm actually looking for and what I want my followers to embrace, okay? All right. Would you pray with me as the band settles in? Jesus, love you, thank you, and help us with this. God, you are a God of freedom. You're a God of grace. You are also a God of truth and a God of holiness and a God of righteousness. And it's relationship with you that makes all that make sense. So we want, we want to obey you. We want to serve you. We want to honor you with our lives. And we want to do that in the joy of relationship because we love you and we're loved by you. So God, help us to discover this better righteousness, the stuff that you're really looking for in our hearts. And starting this weekend, as we go on this journey, God, to actually see your heart and see your mind. God, for those who don't know you yet, reveal yourself to them too. All kinds of preconceived ideas. Some of them aren't fair. Some of them are super fair. But God, to be able to cut through all that and to see, see you and who you are and what you called us to. So stir in our hearts in that way, God. Free us, convict us, draw us to yourself.